often share this story. My senior year in college, I had to give a presentation. And while I can speak, I can talk, I got up in front of the classroom and I froze. I lost my voice. My hands sweated. And I swore I would never have that experience ever again when it came to public speaking. And so I've practiced. And as you can see, I don't have an issue with getting up in front of an audience and speaking, but it takes a lot of hard work. And then I talk to you as a senior leader in an organization. Do your people know how to not just speak and disseminate information, but can they communicate a powerful message? and influence. And if not, maybe we need to work on how they communicate and how they speak. My conversation with Michael Davis was amazing. Here's a little soundbite, and I hope you stay for the rest of the show. The first thing is you got to speak. It's one of the most important lessons I learned early on. It sounds obvious, but a gentleman named Burt Decker, Hall of Fame speaker for years, he says, speaking is a full contact sport, meaning you can only talk to your walls your trees or your dog so many times. You've got to get out there and do it in front of people or in front of a camera. Second, you've got to record these presentations. Three, you've got to get feedback. It's really important that you hear what people are hearing. We are all burdened by the curse of knowledge. We know what we know. We know what we mean. That doesn't mean that they are hearing what we mean. So it's so important to get feedback. And I ask specific questions when I get feedback. What was the point of the talk? What stood out to you? What was unclear? Because early on when you're developing a presentation, those things are all there. I mean, I know exactly what I was saying. Maybe they didn't get it. So we've got to get that feedback. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the drop-in CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, Join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, my name is Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners and your host of the Drop-In CEO podcast. I get the distinct pleasure week after week speaking to amazing leaders and share their insights with you. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to bring you great programming. And today it is my honor to share the mic with my fantastic guest, Michael Davis. Michael is a passionate student of the art of persuading people through the spoken word. And his life's work is to help business leaders, executives, and TEDx speakers become more confident, influential, and inspirational presenters. And he is a certified world-class speaking coach, author, and professional speaker. And it is since 2001, he has studied and worked alongside some of the best presenters and storytellers in the world from a variety of industries. It is my honor to bring you onto the show, Michael. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Deb. And I got to tell you something, and I would say this behind your back, just so you know, I could listen to you speak for a long time. You have a fabulous speaking voice. 
Well, I appreciate that validation. I've been told that. So in the world of feedback and what should I continue to do, leveraging my voice to be able to bring my insights, your insights to inspire other people, I'm going to continue to do this as long as I'm able. So thank you so much for that. But you know, I would love to, you're an amazing person. I was introduced to you a while ago and then reintroduced to you. So the power of the network bringing us back together is simply amazing. The need to be able to articulate, speak, communicate, and impact and connect with people is so important these days. But I would love to get into your story. Please share about yourself personally, the journey you've been on, and the work that you love to do now. Sure. Yeah. The journey towards speaking and coaching began for me in my boss's office in October of 1994. I was a certified financial planner at the time, and part of my job was to give retirement planning workshops. One morning, my boss called me in, sat me down, handed me a stack of papers and said, read these. I started flipping through and I thought, oh, these are evaluations from the last workshop, aren't they? He said, yep, pretty interesting reading. And Deb, people had written things like, does this guy ever take a breath? Boy, I wish he would stand still. I feel like I've been hit by a fire hose. It was page after page after page of this. And I finally stopped. I looked at my boss. I said, is there anything good in here? Should I keep reading? He said, oh, yeah, there's a good one. Keep going. So I'm flipping through the pages. And there it was. Mike has nice hair. And I said, that's it? There's nothing good about my presentation? He said, nope. So we talked a little further and he ended the conversation by saying, you know, we we brought you into this firm because you said you could do these workshops and seminars and get people through the door. It's not working. Fix this or else. He was a real touchy feely kind of guy. That was the day I had to face a 25 year fear. When I was in first grade, I had stood on a desk, a teacher made me stand on a desk to punish me for breaking a class rule, which was standing on a desk. To this day, I can't still figure out why I was punished by doing the thing I did to punish me, but no matter. That embarrassed me so badly that I told myself at six, don't ever stand in front of people again. So there's the irony of this was my job to stand in front of people and give these workshops. That day in his office, though, I had the the fear of losing my job became greater than the fear of standing in front of people. I had to find an answer in a hurry. I called around. I found Toastmasters International. Very quickly learned that speaking is a learnable skill. Lots of people have had a bad experience, and we're all wired to be afraid of speaking. It took me a few years to figure this out. Eventually, I found the National Speakers Association. And along the way, I discovered I had some skill in front of an audience. A lot of it was just repetition, doing it over and over again. And eventually, I found that I was pretty good at helping others. And I think a big reason was because I'd been through the fear and, and anxiety they had been through, and I knew how to manage it. Eventually, I woke up one day and said, look, I've got to make a decision. Am I going to continue to do a job that I kind of like and I'm good at financial planning or do what my inner voice has been telling me to do for 30 years? And that is be a speaker and a speech coach. And I think it was because I hit age 55 and said, look, you're either going to do it now or you're not going to do it. So I made the jump 2018 and I haven't regretted it since. 
there's, I, I say this all the time to all my guests, there are so many directions I could go in there, but, you know, very inspirational that for anybody that's listening that has a, a hankering, something tugging at them that says, you know, I do fine. I have the American dream. I've got what looks good on the outside, but something on the inside is nagging at me. And kudos to you to have the courage to say, I'm ready to take the leap and do it on my own. So the direction I want to go in, first of all, I got a question here. You talk about having a knack and also having a superpower. So I guess as a speaker, now that you are a trained speaker, learned the skill and now have had a lot of experience, what is your unique skill that makes you different as a speaker? Because speakers are a dime a dozen. Now you are unique because why? I think it's all the life experience I've had that I bring to where I can talk. And I'm going to talk more as a coach rather than a speaker, because I think the two go together. I have learned through training and just because I love them, I can take somebody's story and in a minute or two, improve their story. And I say that because that's what a lot of people have told me. I've had clients say, could you tell my story for me? And I said, nope. It's yours. I'm just going to show you how I did that. It wasn't something that I was magically gifted with. I learned it over 20 years. I do the same thing from stage when I'm telling my own stories and I'll have people come up on stage. I had a knack for it. I didn't know that when I first started speaking. I had to have that cultivated by some world-class mentors. But once they showed me, it was like the lid was ripped off. That and I also feel very comfortable now presenting. And I guess as a speaker, my power would be that I can take you into the story and use my face and body and make you feel like you're right there with me. I'm not just reciting facts, figures, and information. And that's the distinction because I was going to go there as well as that I've had a number of people on my podcast and I'm grateful for everybody that I've had here. They've got great talking points. They've written a couple books. And yes, you know, I am taken to a place in the moment. But I'm not inspired. You know, after the podcast, I've had some people say to me, and again, everybody's been amazing, but they don't remember what was said. And I think sometimes the missing thing is connecting with the people emotionally. And so I'm curious if we could just go down that rabbit hole a little bit, disseminating information versus connecting people emotionally, storytelling maybe about it. But what what does it look like to really connect with the people emotionally in the process of doing a speech or, or helping people to tell a speech? You wrap your information with a story where you take us into the heart of the main character. I'm not going to use hero because that's overused, but the main character going through this journey. Now, I, I told you a shorter version of what happened to me in first grade. But sitting in my boss's office, I hope you could hear some of the, the frustration and pain I had reading those evaluations. When you can pull people into a scene with you, they will feel the pain with you and think, oh my gosh, I've been in some, I, I've, been, I've gotten a bad review. I've been threatened with a job. Most people have been in that situation. Maybe not those specific external circumstances, but internally, they definitely have. And that's where I find most storytellers struggle, Deb. They focus on the, the external issues, but it's the internal where we make the hook. Yeah, we need to see the struggle along the way. We don't just go from, I was having a bad day, and then my life was great. We need to see the struggle. You know, that's an interesting thing that you talk about. And I'd love to just go there a little bit because I, you know, I'm a STEM professional, a technical person. We are compensated for being able to be the smartest person in the room and be able to disseminate information. 
And I'm curious, <laughs> a person in their job, a CEO, a senior business leader, they need to influence, inspire, take people on a transformation, get a particular outcome. What are some techniques that you would advise or coach people on to take information and get it to a place where they move people? What are some things and how do you coach people to do that? I like what you just said about having to be the smartest person in the room. The CEO, the president, is is given position power. And because of that, the people under them already feel a distance. The quickest way to shorten that distance is to share stories where you struggled, share your vulnerability. I know many people in positions of power are not comfortable doing that because they falsely believe, I think it's a false belief, that if I show them my, my flaws, I'm weak. No, you're not. You know, there's that old saying in sales that people want to do business with who they know, like, and trust. I think people want to work for people they know, like, and trust. And the know, like, and trust comes from, hey, show me how you're like me. If, you, I, if I know that I'm like you, I will like you. And I get it. When you're in a position of power, CEO and president, not everybody is supposed to be your buddy. That's not the point. But there has to be some humanity there that says, okay, we are very much alike. And I'll give you a quick example of that. I do a lot of TEDx coaching. And there was a, you'll know who I'm talking about. I won't name his name, but you'll know. A famous NFL football player who lives in our city who's a Hall of Famer. Okay. I was given the task of helping him with his TEDx talk. And he is a wonderful human being. He's got a stellar reputation. My task for him was to take this person who's on the Mount Rushmore of Cincinnati and the Mount Rushmore of the NFL and make him like you and me. And we had to do some digging, but we finally got to the heart of his story was the impact his mother had on him as a kid. Strip all the surface away. It was a story about a boy and his mom. We all have moms. We all have parental figures in our life. And immediately he connected with us. That was the power of it. And he shared a very vulnerable story, and the audience gave him a rousing ovation in the, not in the middle of his talk when he was showing his, his vulnerable side. Now, I want to go there one more time because I, too, am on a journey. I can obviously speak with you and share information to an audience. You've shared with me. I've got a great voice. But the ability to be able to take my ability to speak, tell my story, and be able to inspire people. I, it's, it's very interesting what you're going through. And I just want to dig a little bit deeper into the vulnerability story because I've also heard some thoughts about, don't make it about me. So I can say I had a terrible illness, that how I overcome came that particular adversity. And then the whole speech becomes about me and not the people. So what is a technique that you might say, okay, yes, here's my vulnerability. Here's how I came through the hero, the transition, the transformation myself. And then weaving that back into a transformation for the audience. What's a, just a couple techniques you might share about that or how best have you seen that done? Well, I love this question. And one of my mentors taught me that the story is about you, but it's for them. Okay, now here's what here's how we make it for uh, for them. Let me take you back to my first grade story. What happened was 
I I was bored one day during lunch. I was a huge fan of the the Apollo space program. This was 1969, right after Armstrong stepped on the moon. So I decided one day I'm going to jump on my desk and I'm going to practice my astronaut skills because I'm going to the moon someday. My teacher catches me. She says, all right, since you love standing on your desk so much, guess what? At nap time, you get to stand on your desk. I didn't think anything of it until I was standing on my desk. The lights were down. You could hear the rain pelting the window. And my so-called friends were not taking a nap. They were staring at me and they were pointing at, you know, at each other and looking up at me and laughing and making faces. And all I could think was, please let me get off this desk. Please let me get off this desk. This is awful. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I'll never be bad again. This was 52 years ago. I don't know how long I was on that desk. I know that it felt like an eternity. And when Mrs. North said, you can get down off your desk now. I hope you learned a lesson. I thought, yeah, I did. I'm never going to stand in front of people again. That was awful. Now, as I was telling that story, did you think of any point in your life when you were embarrassed or humiliated? Oh, yes, of course. Many times. Yeah. And I was with you. I was in a sad place. There you go. That's what's meant by the story was about me but it was for you. A well-told story, which you don't rush through, you give some specific details, and then you take us into your head, what was hurting, the thoughts you had. The audience, is we're, we're, we're human beings who are wired to react to that. That's how you take them. So you, the best stories you tell are the ones about you, but it's how you do it. If I just said, well, you know, I had this bad experience, and you know what, I'm a pretty sharp guy, I figured out, what had happened to me and hey, look at me today. Okay. That is all about me. It's egocentric. And who wants to hear that? That's garbage, right? That's not a good story. I hooked you by taking you in with me. And like you said, you were there with me. And for a moment, you weren't even hearing my story. You were hearing yours. So let's, if we may, continue with your NFL Hall of Famer who yes. drew people in with his story about his mother. So as you're coaching this individual and you found that thing where he could connect with people, then where do you take him next in order to have that inspirational or impactful speech? We want good stories introduce us to a main character in his or her everyday life. Then there's some type of inciting incident which pushes them out of their comfort zone. They struggle to overcome these issues, these, these challenges, because they have this new goal. In this player, uh, individual's case, he got injured in college three times, had three knee surgeries at a time when knee surgeries, you know, locally, Joe Burrow, our, our new quarterback, just had a devastating knee injury. He's ready to play. Okay, this is 40 years ago when my friend had to stand up and speak. One knee injury was thought to be career-ending. He had three, and he was going through rehab and working and going home and literally crying on his wife's shoulder because this was so hard. And his wife was wonderful support and still is. But the thing that kept him going the most was this message his mother had taught him and his siblings when they were young. Move forward with what you've got. He grew up in East L.A., and it was not a, a, an easy existence. They didn't have much money. And, and he said, I know this sounds cliche, but we really didn't. 
And whenever the, we wore the, the knees out in our jeans, mom would send us to Walmart and said, go get the patches, bring them home, iron them on, sew them on. We ain't buying new jeans. We don't have the money. Move forward with what you've got. That took him through the, all those rehabs and all those tough days until the day he got the phone call from the Bengals and said, you're a Bengal. So what's beautiful about that story, again, the theme, the thread that brings it all together, move forward with what you got. First of all, I want to stay there because that is, um, that resonates with me. Back in September, I fractured my ankle and my life was so impacted. I was so dependent. I lost with what I had. And each time I would go into physical therapy, I, I'm looking at myself. It's like, how am I going to ever be able to curl again? Curling is the sport that I do. It takes a lot of uh, athletic ability and strength and agility and, and be able to stretch. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't bend my ankle. And every time I was frustrated, I mean, I would tell them what I did good and how I progressed. And he says, don't look back. Oh, no, actually, this case, he said, Look at how far you've come. Even though it looks like a mountain to climb to get to where you want to, with the perspective of the first day you came in here, you could hardly walk with crutches and a cast on your foot. Now look at you. Oh my. Talk about an impactful message. Yeah. Look at where how far you've come. And so stories like that we need to share with people in order to be able to then share our insights and our inspiration. Yeah, it's so interesting you say that. I just did a live stream tip today on that topic of so often we set goals. There's a, a gentleman I follow, Darren Hardy, who's I, I think one of the best success mentors out there. He talks about the analogy of the staircase. We often put a goal on top of a staircase as a metaphor. And what we do is every day we get up and we look at that top of that staircase and think, man, that is so far away. He said, stop doing that to yourself. Imagine the next step you have to get on. And the next step. And ever so often, don't look up, look down. Look how far, look how many steps you've climbed, Deb, to get your ankle to where it is now. And if you just keep focusing on the next step, guess what? One day you're going to look around and think, oh my gosh, I'm here. It's a more positive way that doesn't stress you out as much. So just think about it. We're talking about speaking and how to communicate impactful messages. And we're now giving life coaching to people <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> in the process. So I got a question for you. You wrote a blog post back around April where you first talk about traditional ways of speaking to people. And then you transition and say, we need to evolve. I speak and entertain, make people laugh, learn and get inspired. But I'm curious, again, I want to know where you're going with that. But also, what if people say, well, I'm not funny. I'm not good at telling jokes. What's the intention behind your message about the old way of communicating and speaking needs to evolve to being something that entertains, connects, and makes people laugh? i got two thoughts for you. Let me address the humor part mm -hmm. very quickly. If you yeah. are married or in any kind of relationship ever, if you have kids, you've got funny stories. And too many people mistake humorous speaking with joke telling. That's not what we're talking about. I have good friends who are comedians and who are in the improv world. Comedians do not get paid very long if they don't get jokes in rapid fire. That's their job. Right? That's not our role as speakers, presenters, sales professionals, and leaders. We tell stories that have humor in them. And guess what? If nobody laughs, you just made a really important point. The laughter is a bonus. People want to remember key points. 
Now, with that said, even since I wrote that blog post, I have come to a new conclusion about the world of speaking, presenting, and that is this. The pandemic has conditioned our audiences to have a whole new perspective on the speaking experience. Now, I haven't heard anybody say this. This is purely an opinion. Think about the last 16 months. We have conditioned our audiences to be part of the presentation from start to finish. We're sending them to chat box. We're doing breakout rooms. We're showing them videos and, and graphs, and we're having these polls. They are now part of the talk. If we as presenters think we're going to go back on stage and they're just going to listen to us talk at them for 30, 45, or 60 minutes, we're in for a shock. They're going to demand to be, I think, they're going to be demand to be part of it. When I say demand, if we don't include them, they're going to be checking their phones. They're going to be checking out on us fairly quickly because they've been conditioned now for 16 months Mm. to be that way. That means we cannot just stand there and talk at them. It has to be an experience. It has to be experiential. The stories are a terrific way to do that. We have to follow up our stories with questions that tie into their world. Uh, there's technology, and I'm, I'm not a, an affiliate. I'm just mentioning this because I use it. It's called Mentimeter. Mentimeter allows you to ask all kinds of questions that you can tailor to the audience and get them involved. You can use, use it for games. I, I love this kind of technology, and it's been great online. We're going to have to use this in person, too, to maximize that experience for our audiences. So you're a wealth of talent, and my audience, those that are listening, are in a few different places. They are either an emerging leader, they're technically talented, and they're starting to show leadership abilities, communication. I have entrepreneurs or mid-career professionals that they've been doing really well, they've been promoted. And now they're stuck and they're not sure how to get unstuck. And then there are senior leaders and CEOs that have to lead organizations maybe in different ways. They may or may not use your resources, but if there is anything that they could maybe start doing now to evolve the way they speak and impact people, what are a few things that you might suggest? The first thing is you got to speak. It's one of the most important lessons I learned early on. And it sounds obvious. But a gentleman named Burt Decker, a Hall of Fame speaker for years, he says, speaking is a full contact sport, <laughs> meaning you can only talk to your walls, your trees, or your dogs so many times. You've got to get out there and do it in front of people or in front of a camera. Second, you got to record these presentations. Three, you've got to get feedback. It's really important that you hear what people are hearing. We are all burdened by the curse of knowledge. We know what we know. We know what we mean. That doesn't mean that they are hearing what we mean. So it's so important to get feedback. And I ask specific questions when I get feedback. What was the point of the talk? What stood out to you? What was unclear? Because early on when you're developing a presentation, those things are all there. I mean, we, we know in our minds, in our, in our hearts, I know exactly what I was saying. And may, maybe they didn't get it. So we've got to get that feedback. you got to go back to the recording and you actually have to watch and listen to it. I've had a lot of people say, I recorded it. Okay. Did you watch and listen to it? Because that's the goal. When you get feedback from people and they'll say, and this is a common one I hear, well, I think you could have paused longer. If, if I was coaching you and I might say, Deb, I think you could have paused longer. You might think, well, I did. Well, I'm not going to argue with you. Let's go watch the video at 
regular speed, by the way. And let's just see. And usually you're like, oh my gosh, I thought I, I felt like I paused for five seconds and it was a heartbeat. The video will tell you. You know, I will say that is very sound advice. I, first of all, I'm originally from New Jersey, so I can speak about 10 times faster than how we are right now. But I will tell you, and it's interesting, it's an interesting phenomenon if I could reflect on my speaking. So first of all, I try to engage. I speak the way I am in a slow, methodical way that people can hopefully consume the information at the rate that I'm delivering it. But it's also an interesting phenomenon. It's actually something I think I need to be aware of is that when I start speaking and it's my zone of genius, as people might say, I get in flow Mm -hmm. and I speak. And when I'm done and I listen to the recording, it's like, oh my God, you were a master. But sometimes it's almost like you're disconnected from the audience because you're in flow and delivering the information. And to you, it sounds fantastic. And to a few people, it may be fantastic, but you may not have connected with everybody. That's a really good point, especially when we're telling stories and we're going on this emotional roller coaster. Yes. When I was in my boss's <laughs> office and I was read, uh, I'm reading through these papers and they're going faster and faster. I'm thinking, is there any, anything good in here? Oh yeah, there's something really good. Keep going. And it, there it was. Mike has nice hair. Your voice has to match the tone of the emotion in the story, or we're not buying it. That's that's the work in the story. Writing the story, yes, you can do that. You don't have to memorize stories. You lived it. You know it. It's making sure the emotion, the tone of voice, your face all match what was going on in the story, or else there's a disconnect. The audience doesn't even know why. They're just not buying into it. That's probably the best advice I have ever gotten. From a speaking coach. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, because again, yeah, go I was on. I <laughs> to say, watch speakers in the future. And I see this a lot, Deb, with people I coach. They'll say something like this. And, and if you're listening, you can't see me, but I've got a big smile on my face. And they'll say, I was really stressed that day and I was really unhappy. And I'm thinking, I'm not buying the unhappy because you're smiling. <laughs> or the opposite happens. It was, it was one of the most exciting times of my life. I just had never felt so much joy. Really? You might want to tell your face and your voice because I'm not feeling it, right? The words only go so far. We have to have that congruence between the two. Such amazing advice. But I want to turn the spotlight on you a little bit. You obviously do keynotes. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, you've done many, but is there one particular one that's your favorite and why? Yes, and it's one that I'm actually reworking right now. And it all has to do with an experience I had. Uh, Just real quick, my background. I have been a fan of the Indianapolis 500-mile race since I was 10 when my dad took me for the first time. And when I was 51 years old, I got to live a dream of driving a real Indy car at Indianapolis. I mean, this is like the dream of a lifetime. However, when that drive started, I was literally terrified because I had been sitting in a one hour orientation that told me everything that could go wrong on this drive. So by the time I'm sitting in the car, Oh my God, this has been a, this is a mistake. I'm going to die. It was after the first lap, which was just horrendous. The first lap of that drive was just terrible because everything was going wrong. And I thought, Oh my gosh, this is not what I expected. A voice. There's a spotter who is at the track, who watches you. And they know, they've done this enough. They know exactly what's going on in the car, even though they can't see you. The guy comes on and says, hey, you're doing fine. 
If you want to go faster, you're going to have to take your foot off the brake and push down on the gas. And if you really want to pass those cars ahead of you, you got to go full throttle. So eventually I do, I get to pass cars, but what, the reason I share that story, and I'm giving you a very short version for time, is that the lesson I took when he said, take your foot off the brake, go full throttle, I had been living my life with my foot on the brake. My, my business, my career, my finances, my relationship, I was not fully committed. And it wasn't until I got into an Indianapolis race car that I had to learn that lesson. And that was a turning point for me because I started to lay the foundation for getting out of the financial world and go do this because it was time to you know, fully committed. So that's a beautiful story. And I too have a similar story. And maybe my first keynote will be exactly around the struggle and coming through and forming Illumination Partners and having a podcast with you. There you go. So... This has been amazing. You and I, we can speak and talk and listen yes. <laughs> for a, a, a long, long time. But if there were any last closing thoughts as we bring this to a close, what would you like to share with our listeners or anything exciting you want to share? And people are going to want to connect with you, I'm sure. Well, here's, if you walk away with nothing else from this podcast today, Deb, here, here it is. I don't care who you are, what your position, what you've been through. You've got stories inside of you that will inspire other people. They need to hear them, but you can't see it. And the reason you can't is because you lived it. You live the experiences. I learned this from, of all people, my mother. My mother was born into German-occupied France in World War II. And the story she told me about the running to a bomb shelter every night and every day, not even knowing if they were going to eat. And someday all they had was a potato to eat as a family of four. I was blown away by these stories. And I asked her the question, how did you do that? How did grandma and grandpa and, and you and aunt Nicole, how did you do that? And she looked at me for the longest time and said, it's just what we did. She didn't see the impact because she lived it. And I've heard stories of people that have come from poverty, war-torn areas, and done amazing, fantastic accomplishments, but don't think anything of it. We all know our own story. So what you need, and I promise this is not a backdoor pitch to get a speaking coach, but work with somebody. Just sit down and talk to somebody and tell them your stories and let them tell you why it's so fantastic because you can't see it. You have stories that other people definitely need to hear. So a beautiful ending to an amazing conversation. If people did want to learn more, access your resources, how can they do that? They can go to my website, speakingcpr.com. And if you have any specific questions, feel free to contact me, Mike at speakingcpr.com. And I promise I will not put a full court sales pitch on you. We'll just have a conversation. Whatever questions you have, I'm happy to talk with you about those. All right, Michael, you've been an amazing guest. Grateful to have you on the show. Wish you continued success and thank you again. Thank you, Deb. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead 
inspire, and achieve your goals.